We're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, is on the line, and so is one of our favorite third co-hosts, Michael. Yeah, she's the senior artisans editor at Variety, one of the co-hosts of Variety's Award Circuit podcast, question and answer, Q&A extraordinaire, interview interviewer extraordinaire, I must say, and mm. the host of the Artisans Awards at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, also sponsored by Variety there. Look, Jazz, I think... If you need people to do your bidding, like you've come on this show enough now to where the two of us should do your bid. Like, you know, you, you've just been so kind to us through the years. Yeah. We thank you for that. We thank you for coming back uh, this year once again. Thank you for having me back. I mean, we finally got it right because scheduling was, was a bit of a nightmare. And I'm just exhausted listening to like. Well, she did this, 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 and this. So yeah, thank you. We made it work. It's insulting with how much free time you have that you couldn't find time for us, honestly. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, <laughs> priorities, Matt. Priorities. i got to make time for my favorite people. We Mike, really appreciate even. it. No, it's it's awesome that you. Uh, we've done this, I think, four years in a row now. So this is this is one of our highlights of our every year. And, yeah, we got a bunch of burning questions for you up top. And then we'll kind of go into a couple of categories. So I got a happy question here because you kind of covered it with Brent Lang for Variety about this new casting category at the Oscars. And you guys interviewed several, quote, unquote, gobsmacked cap- casting directors for the piece. And first of all. <laughs> Great word, gobsmacked, underused word, (laughs) love it. Secondly, uh, it's been heartwarming to read how happy this announcement has made casting directors, certainly culminating in what I thought was one of the best speeches on the night at BAFTA. The emotion coming through Susan Shopmaker of the holdovers was was extraordinary to watch and really, I I mean, I was tearing up just seeing it, uh, especially after reading your work on this. And casting directors just, they seem to be the unsung heroes and the talent scouts of the business for years you guys gotta be loving the fact that this category exists now at variety because casting stories are the most fun things to read i'm sure they're the most fun things to report on and not just in like memoirs and books years later but i mean the way you guys cover the industry week to week uh what what do you think this category is gonna have in store for your life at variety and in your coverage of this and and certainly for the for the public uh like us um, I think, so here's the thing, BAFTA, the Emmys, they've always recognized casting and, you know, the Oscars finally got there and it was, it felt like it was coming for a long time. What does it mean? I think more people would appreciate the work casting directors do. I think there is, a, I mean, you know, I, and I say inside the bubble, right? Like I think inside our bubble, we do appreciate mm. what casting directors do. I think the general public does not understand casting so in terms of storytelling it's going to allow us to tell their story and be like you know how did you cast this person and they have amazing stories especially the ones that have been in the industry for so long it's like who's your favorite you know like who do you cast and they'll be like well I, you know i discovered whoever when they were really young and it's like now look at them they've won an oscar and you're like oh cool mm. and 
I think the general public will, will, would like that. Um, yeah. So. You you laid out the runway there of how you know there's been a couple other award shows that had the casting category first, and finally the Oscars have adopted that, and it's going to be a new category for next year. Do you, do you think that's where the Oscars expansion kind of ends, or do you think? I mean, we mics here have been like hoping for years that stunt may become a category. <laughs> do you think there's any kind of expansion that may come on the heels of this? I think stunts is is next. I think of every other craft that works. I think stunts will be you know i don't know how long it will take um you know it's gonna be what is it the 98th academy award where we see um casting so i you know give them i'm let i'm sure they'll see like how it plays out but also they're very aware of you know stunts so let's see i mean you know sag does it again the emmys do it so what let's just watch the space is is what i like to say jazz we've we've had the rdos awards around for a while and like you said BAFTA's had a casting category for the last five years do you expect uh, a lot of uh crossover with these just like any other category or are there maybe growing pains for a new casting category on the overall how does the academy educate its uh its voters in a way uh, do you expect any uh any variance there what, what do you think of you know the, the first casting award do, do they nominate only legends perhaps or do you think they they kind of go with best picture there's a ton of variations that can happen with this casting award maybe some pitfalls too but i, I am very curious to see how it's going to play out how do you think it will i think uh, here's the thing i think so it'll probably be the branch right the branch will do their selects of of that before it goes to the wider academy. So I think the branch is very aware of of the casting. Are they going to go for big names? I don't know. I mean, you know, you look at RTOs and and they have like studio or independent, they have big budget. Mm. Um, They have, you know, they actually split up comedy and, and drama. So it'll be interesting to see how that all merges into like, the final five mm-hmm. um, or like do they do a short list so i mean i don't think we know enough about it yet so whether there's a short list of like here are 15 films that are gonna make it um on the casting shortlist or if it's just here's the final five on oscar nomination morning so we'll see we'll see and we know the big names right they do um i think i Again, it's like how much I, I think the academy to your point of how much will they educate people, I think the academy will do a great job of it. I think the studios, the the publicists behind the awards campaign trail will do a much bigger and better job of incorporating casting. And they do it, you know, I see it. They do it during Emmy season too. They'll pull up I mean, I actually did a, a Q and A with a casting director for Killers of the Flower Moon kinda mm-hmm. early on. So it was like, you know, let's talk about the importance of casting. So I think I I think we'll see more casting directors on panels, um, definitely for uh the Oscar campaign trail. I look forward to it. That's that's mm. gonna be fun. Uh I have one more happy question kind of about the uniqueness of this past <laughs> year. Uh and it it just made me proud. Every time I went to a QA at a film festival and look, we were we were in the midst of the strikes and the writers and actors, they were righteously sidelined during that time. 
But Jazz, all your artisans were on stage <laughs> selling out every <laughs> auditorium I went to in New York or where whatnot. And they were giving us right. some of the better Q and A's we've ever seen. And I thought I thought films like Poor Things and Maestro, Zone of Interest, Anatomy of a Fall, just to name a few, I thought they acquitted themselves especially well, gave themselves a boost during film festival season with how, you know, the artisans held down the fort alongside their directors. So I just I'm curious what you yeah. thought of that process and when you look back to the fall how you think your people did there they killed i was gonna say they slayed Uh, (laughs) (laughs) please do it'll make us seem cooler (laughs) somebody has been watching way too much drag race um no they completely slayed it um you know it's like we always know the artisans are the backbone of the industry like you know without them they're you know we don't have movies and i think this was a chance for them to really shine. And my God, they did such an amazing job. And to your point, like, you know, they were, they were filling, they were filling out our events. Like, you know, we, we, Variety had a chunk of events. As you said, the film festivals had a chunk of events. And I think film lovers in general are fascinated by those stories. Right. And, um, and you could see it, like you could be like, you could hear the oohs and the ahs in the audience every time you were moderating. And it's like, oh, or like even if you were sitting in the audience and you could hear like the fascination of like, oh, I didn't know that. Or like, mm-hmm. it was just so interesting. And, you know, I think we all, we're all sponges. We like to hear information that we haven't sure. typically heard. And and then, you know, when the strike ended, I was like, please don't dump your artisans now that you've got talent back. Like, you know, mm. and I, I feel like we didn't see that. Like, it's really like then you had a costume designer and talent and mm-hmm. you had, you know, a director and, and supporting their, you know, I mean, um, yeah, a lot of the directors were out and they're supporting their artisans. And it was that was it was kind of amazing to see. And then you start throwing in talent into those panels and you've got a great conversation that you wouldn't normally have, mm. I think. So, and yeah. it seems, I mean, all these artisans do rely on what might be the next leg in Hollywood to strike with IATSE and Hollywood Collective and all this that we're, it seems like we're marching towards what could be possibly, you know, another strike on the horizon there, which would be unfortunate, obviously, for everyone. But I, I have to imagine, I don't know if you've talked to anyone or any of the artisans you've talked to have, have talked about a looming IATSE strike, but just about the interconnectedness between the artisans you talk to and the, the, the stagehands, the people that put the sets together and what IATSE does on a day-to-day basis, I, I, there's got to be a reliance and an appreciation between the people you talk to and that union in and of itself, I would think, no? Oh, I think that there's a giant, there's a huge appreciation, and um, yeah, no, that they're they're, to- they're totally is. So it'll be it'll be interesting. But I mean, again, you know, to get to get real, I don't think the industry can afford another shutdown. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll have to see what happens. All right. Well, that's all the softball questions we have for you. Now it's down <laughs> all to all right. <laughs> Look at well, I, I, this it's. It is time. It's time for my annual question of Ask Jazz about BAFTA. And 
this is an <laughs> this is a constantly evolving voting procedure, uh, and it does seem like they're expanding the voting powers. and And I'll be honest with you, I feel like I feel like BAFTA this year they they can't screw it up that much. I mean, we have Oppenheimer that seems to be sweeping in a few spots. You know, these are fun movies for the most part. I think Mike and I have been cl- on cloud nine with the number of films that we actually enjoy, and certainly with your mm. coverage and everything that we learn about the artisans. Like, we're happy with this season more moreover than not and then we start to try and predict the oscars now jazz the baftas are seven (laughs) out of 19 last year they missed they missed in eight categories that you that you you can't miss like even our grandmothers could can pick one of these categories right and yet bafta did not last year uh but it's weird because there's a lot of variance a couple years before that, the year where they actually, and ironically, changed their voting procedures in 2020, BAFTA went 18 of 19. So 7 of 19, yeah. a couple years earlier, 18 of 19. We're going to get into each one of these categories, but I, you're a member of BAFTA. Do you think they care about the Oscars crossover? Do you think this variance continues in terms of the winners crossing over to Oscars Sunday why do you think this is happening? I just, I, I'm, I'm really wondering about BAFTA still. I think deep down they do. I, I think that's why <laughs> they strategically position themselves to to go before nominations were announced to kind of be like, hey, this is what BAFTA did. Um, so it's going to be, it's just going to be really interesting. Whereas before. You know, they just did their, I think, I feel like they did their own thing. I feel like now they want, there's more of a seeking to align itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. And then, you know, let, just to use poor things as, a, as an example, you know, it's like, well, they gave it production design. They gave it costume. They gave it VFX. Okay, poor things is not nominated for for VFX, but it's like then you look at the the guilds, and all of a sudden the BAFTAs aligning with those two. Oh, um, yeah. So it's going to be, and it and it just indicates, uh, you know, and Clayton has said this, it indicates what the international voters are thinking. Like it right. gives us a clear, I a, 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 not a clear idea, but like it gives us a window into where they're leaning and i i'm gonna say this i was like i bet you the europeans i mean we had such great films right? such a richness of films this year more than any other year and i feel like it's such an incredible lineup of the top 10 uh of the 10 best picture noms mm. and i feel like um yeah it's like you know, uh, you're like, where's anatomy going to land? Like, I feel this is such a, you know, this is totally going to land with European audiences and voters. Same with Zone of Interest. Like, that's what, you know, it won sound there. And it was like, of course it would win sound. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I was I was worried about Sandra Hula. Not worried in a bad way, but I was like, you know, if she wins, what is this going to do to Oscar voting? Like, is she mm. just a dark horse that we're paying attention to but not enough attention but yeah 
Well, uh, makes sense, and I'm I'm a little upset you didn't go for the pun. Where was anatomy gonna fall? But I'll, I guess I'll, mm. I'll let it slide this time. We're we're, we're oh sorry, <laughs> I didn't uh, have yes. enough coffee to crack a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I just I still appreciate the slay comment from before, so I'll let it slide. I guess. Um, I, congratulations as always on the Artisans Awards, and I mean I don't know how you do what you do every year there at Santa Barbara, where you prepare for like seven or eight interviews in a row, one after another, and just talk to the, the cream of the crop in Hollywood and have all these great pointed questions. Um, the, the biggest question I need to know ever since watching you interview Billie Eilish there uh, and Phineas, <laughs> just how high was Billie Eilish at 11 a.m.? Oh, no, <laughs> in all seriousness, she's 22 years old. She's a dynamo. Crazy, right? She's likely to, I mean, she's going to win her second Oscar, it looks like, in the past mm-hmm. three years. We talk all the time here how the Academy's changing dynamics seem to land them, lend themselves more towards younger people getting chances at their second Oscars much earlier than historically has been the case. Right. Billie Eilish this year, Emma Stone could win her second at the age of 35 this year as well. But there's another side of that, and the, the fact that there's hundreds of industry veterans who have been around for decades who either have racked up nominations without a win or haven't been nominated at all despite their efforts, you know, et cetera. I'm just curious... I think historically, we pundits would make up narratives about why there may be some resentment in what was involving a typically older skewing whiter academy based on hearsay and conjecture. But you talk to artisans in this now new, more diverse, younger academy. Are there any murmurs of resentment in such cases where we have this kind of youth movement coming towards like more grand wins more often? Or is it just like these these people are awesome? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. I'm not hearing any, um, any murmur. There's no resentment at all. People are just like, wow, like, let's use Billy as the example. There's no, like, well, there's no resentment at all. They're like, well, she literally wrote, like, one of the best songs of the year. <laughs> Insanity. Um, there's, yeah. So I'm not, I've not heard that at all. Good, good. Uh, and Great speaking test. of a I'm glad to hear that, yeah, yeah. Speaking of a younger uh, composer, Ludwig Göransson seems poised with the Oppenheimer score to do very well. We loved the uh, interview at the Artisans Awards with him. He talked about how his he and his wife were, and she was a violinist, and how you guys uh, or uh, how you interviewed him to say that. Uh, he was focusing on the instrument and getting to the essence of it for Christopher Nolan there. And then uh, when we read what you've written about the score, it, it seems to have come together in like a whirlwind. I, I am curious if you notice this a lot of times with musicians and certainly composers, these songs seem, once they come together, whether it's a documentary like The Greatest Night in Pop or any music biopic I've ever seen jazz, it does seem like once the song is there, people, it's like a runaway train, just like the score for Oppenheimer, that mm-hmm. is. Runaway train, and it just kind of takes over, and they get it done lickety-split. Is, is that common do, do, in, in all your interviews? Do you feel like that it's common for musicians? In terms of? Like the inspiration overtaking them and then they come up with the song over a night yeah. like you can't write a script that way but you can you can write a song that way for oh, sure a hundred a hundred percent like mm. um it you you do hear that you'll be like so you wrote like two hours of music like what how long did it take for you to write this particular um tune uh, mm. and they'll be like yeah no i came up with that overnight and um <laughs> What's his name? Joe uh, uh, Hisaishi for mm-hmm. 
boy in the heron i did a q a with him and it was like so you know uh the, you know the the song from the, the theme the main theme from the film like how long did that take you to write and he goes yeah kind of a couple of hours and you're just like why like who are you who are you people and you know it takes me hours sometimes days to write a story and you guys sitting here writing like (laughs) the best soundtracks and scores in the world but yeah you know i had a sneaking suspicion it that always drove me nuts Uh, and and people like will put it on screen like uh, you know the, the screenwriter will write something overnight and it's always bs and I mean, but yeah. It, well, that's also why I asked the, the Billie Eilish question. It's like she, when you interviewed her, Jazz, she was like, oh, yeah, I saw a couple scenes in the movie and I just wrote that song. And it's like one of the best Oscars songs like ever. And it's like, yeah, she's yeah. 22 years old doing this. It's like, I, I'm glad to hear there's no resentment. But I'm like, man, there's got to like, I would think somebody out there is just like, what am I doing? Like this, there's this 22 year old killing it every time she touches something. Right, but then she used that. Like, she sends that over to Greta Gerwig, and then Greta's like, oh, I'm inspired by this. I'm going to add in the montage mm-hmm. clip afterwards and extend, you know, this music. And and you're like, whoa. Like, you're, what you've sent Greta back is this thing, and now you're inspiring the filmmaker to expand whatever. And you hear that so many times where... Mm. A director will be like, you know, I heard this theme and it's like, well, actually, I'm going to change the way this plays out because of this music and or this song. And yeah, it's it's definitely it's fascinating. And they do have incredible. They've all got incredible stories. Speaking of personalities at the Artisans Awards, one more time here, Holly, (laughs) Holly Waddington. She's fast becoming one of my favorite costume designers to actually track her own personal faction on these red carpets at these award shows. Like she showed up into the at the Baptist in that fun poofy black dress with the Jetsons hairdo and the molecular earrings, yeah. and I was just like, "Wow, that just that, that's fantastic!" So she's a work of art just walking up to the stage there, and then she shows up to your Artisans Awards in those shoes that literally stops your interview <laughs> in your tracks there. Uh, so. I got, I got. I just got to ask. I mean, seeing all these outfits and, and all this artistry up close—that's got to be like one of the more fun perks of the job, especially with personalities oh. like Holly. Yeah, always. It, you know, it's it's like I went to the Costume Designer Guild Awards last night, and you're like, okay, well, you know, what are you gonna wear? <laughs> like, do you try? Do you try to be as cool? You know, or do you just <laughs> right. be you? Right. And then I ended up just wearing like a blue velvet jacket that I picked up that I bought and I, I was like I was very happy to run into Mark Bridges who was nominated for Maestro and he was in I think he was in Velvet there were a few people and I was like okay well I got the memo not necessarily for women but for men but it's all good <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing blue velvet I've got velvet we're good um but yeah no they have incredible style and you know Holly who won last night again she just had fishnet tights and i think it's called vampire's girlfriend she was wearing this incredible <laughs> outfit and she was like oh it's vampire's girlfriend and i was like wait what and she had to explain that i think uh the the label was by nick cave's wife and i was like oh i just learned something today so yeah <laughs> costume designers and and holly waddington and they've all got you know it they a lot of the nominated 
costume design is just well simple for that but it's like it it looks simple but it's really elegant and you're like can't cannot cannot match fat at all but impeccable style well i almost feel embarrassed about asking this next question but it has become one of the more burning mysteries of the season for <laughs> these two jokers that you have on the other line here jazz because i don't know why we're fixated <laughs> on this but we are talking about poor things there is a genre out there i guess in literature but it's it's also been it's steampunk it's steampunk miyazaki's mm-hmm. films dabble miyazaki's films dabble in steampunk obviously i think and most famously wild wild west and Will Smith's glasses in particular. Mm-hmm. That, that was steampunk. Jazz, is poor thing steampunk? We have <laughs> tiny, tiny little sunglasses, and we have steam-powered vehicles from horse and carriages to actual steamboats in poor things. But Mike and I are wondering, is this the futuristic reimagining of 19th century history that is steampunk, or, or isn't it? I'm embarrassed, um... but there you go. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a one word answer. Yes. There you go. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. That's what I needed. <laughs> we asked the expert, and now we have a definitive answer. And we, honest to God, Jess, that's been eating at us all year, but we appreciate the input there and the clarification. So we're going to take your you're, word as gospel. You're asking the wrong person, but I'll tell you what. Tonight is the Poor Things DVD release party. Text me. I'm going to give you my number. Or you probably have it on my signature. My signature. Okay. Text me. Because I will forget, and I'm going to ask Holly Waddington this question, and I will text you. And if you Beautiful. if you want to wait, we can get a confirmation. Absolutely, we will absolutely be doing that. No, no doubt. It's been eating away at us all year. So yes, absolutely, we will be doing that. Because I'm not the I'm not I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> The uh, the costume designers guild they just picked their winners. You talked about that already. Barbie and poor things what we think might be steampunk now, won their respective categories. And you wrote a fun piece chronicling how Jacqueline Duran sourced the Ken's wardrobe by thrift shopping for Barbie's Critics' Choice winning costumes. With poor things, the layers of dress and undress were equally important to Holly Waddington as well. We're not going to try to like inundate you with predictions about too many things in too many categories, but we, we have to know about costume design because we are dealing with like such iconic looks, both the Barbie movie and the Poor Things movie, and those are the two fr- uh, favorites of the uh, costume design category. Do you see any which way the, the Academy may lean or why they may lean one of those over the other on Oscar Sunday? Look, the costume designer girl told us nothing. I mean, they never do when you've got <laughs> someone like Barbie up against poor things. Um, but I, I remember when I, I think I did that Q and A at Poor Things for Poor Things just after it screened at Telluride, mm-hmm. um, and there were a lot of voters in that. And I remember speaking to one costume designer right afterwards and she's like holly waddington is going to go all the way and i was Mm. like oh Hmm. okay and and that's kind of where you're like okay this is it could and you know you look at it and it is it's you know costume designers they love they love those films that are costumey and this is a very costume it's a very costumey film Mm. um and i think I mean, I would, I, you know, Barbie is phenomenal too. Cause it's like, you've got pink on pink on pink. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. You know, you've got pink pink sets, you've got pink outfits, and it all works. It doesn't look like, you know, some neon, like I'm tripping on acid and I've never taken acid in my life. But, <laughs> you know, it's not like an acid trip, right? Like, it's, it's aesthetically beautiful. So, mm. um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't um, know. <laughs> if you were to ask me right now, I would say probably poor things. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Well, we're going to hold you to that. We'll see how that comes out in the wash there at the end. Um, <laughs> I, I need your help with something that I've struggled with historically here too, Jazz, because uh, the Costume Design Guild, they awarded something special to Annette Benning as well. And I have been on here. I was not enamored with Nyad. And one of the reasons I wasn't is because I've originally, when I gave my first review of uh, I was like, oh, I, I'm not crazy about the makeup or the FX used to show the swelling of Annette Benning's Diana Nyad's character having been in the water for so long, even though they did a good job, you know, if you look historically at the real Diana Nyad, the makeup is mm. comparable there. But look, I'm just some joker online, right? I'm just a pundit. I have no background in makeup or costume design, obviously. And what will routinely happen in these situations is I'll dislike something at the Oscars level when it comes to some artisan category. And then I'll read up about it, usually through you and your work and your interviews. And, of course, I'll empathize with all the effort I discover has been put into it. And I'll feel like a jerk. And I'll come on here and I'll talk about how <laughs> dumb I was to have that point of view in the first place originally. But I still feel like I fall into, and you kind of hit on this point already earlier, I feel like I fall into this trap that too many casual movie fans fall into where we take the work on these crafts such for granted and we leave the movie having focused primarily on the acting, writing, and directing. And as someone who obviously talks to these master crafters for a living, do, do you get the sense that they ever feel like they had a, a you know a, a more recognizable or more recognition from the casual movie fan? Or are they just satisfied with the work being their part in the movie itself? And they're like the people who know, know what a great job they do. Oh, I think... Uh, you know, this year is such a great year to to actually ask that question because I think people, so many of the artisans were surprised by the public reaction to their films. Good. Not just people like us who do this for a living, mm -hmm. but like people actually going to the movie theater to watch all these films. And there was a, yeah, I think there was a genuine, like, I think appreciation for it. Mm -hmm. and just actual like they're they're so humble um you know and that's the thing with artisans there's never any ego and it was just like they just they're just in i think they're just in awe and they're they're proud as they should be yeah i mean it's it's it, and like yeah. i said I mean, nothing makes me feel dumber than having read like oh yeah this was my life's work and this is why i did this and this meticulous thing happened and this is how i got this way i'm like oh i'm just a dope watching this on netflix i should just shut my mouth but yeah i mean you could see it. it it speaks for itself they should be they're amazing yeah you uh you come on a psychological journey with us mikes uh, <laughs> into our psyches oh, into I our love tortured it. souls once you hit that fourth year coming on the show that that's when <laughs> we truly let our hair down and and i guess you know for ham-handed segues here i do want to talk about the hairstyling and the makeup category and i wonder why it's not the opposite but i shouldn't because essentially since the category's inception makeup and hairstyling has gone to has gone to a makeup transformation. And and we've seen it recently with Tammy Faye and with The Whale. 
the, the, the character mm-hmm. transformations have connected to the to the lead acting categories or to any acting category. But this year seems like it's a lot of fun, Jazz, because we don't necessarily have a acting front runner connected to any of the big makeup and hairstyling jobs in this category. So I, I am wondering if you think, and again, this is another shameless, just please predict the category for us question, but I am wondering if you think like this is going to go towards Willem Dafoe's, you know, Dr. Frankenstein character type character there. Is it going to go towards the, the maestro uh, transformation, the gold of transformation, or if something a bit more subtle that, that you've chronicled with a society of the snow or Oppenheimer that has, you know, you're, you're aging these people, subtly yeah. over decades right for for chunks of the movie until you finally have a big scene where they're transformed into elderly people at the end but otherwise this is an open category for makeup and hairstyling unlike i've seen in a while what do you think of it i think i, I think it's kind of been uh kazu hero for maestro i mm. i think i don't know if you remember when that first still maestro dropped and it was bradley cooper as an old leonard bernstein and everybody went crazy for it mm-hmm. and i was like oh who's the makeup art? oh it's kazu okay um and i think he has been a front runner and i mm. think he i i think it's basically his it is not going to be tied to best actor i mean look sag could upset this all on sat right. on on i was gonna say saturday <laughs> yeah it's saturday because yeah, the saga yeah, wars yeah. um but i think you know the that best actor race is probably between uh killian murphy and paul giamatti um unless yeah but i i think there's this is like you said like this is the first time there's probably in a long time where there's a separation unless oppenheimer wins i mean think it but there's no there's nothing to i mean oppenheimer has not won anywhere for makeup yet so mm-hmm. it's like will that happen now at oscars i don't think so i think they'll see maestro and it could win uh, to be honest that it, it's its closest competition would be poor things which won at bafta but um i i would probably bet on maestro Sadly, I don't think enough people saw Golda because mm-hmm. Helen Mirren's transformation is phenomenal. The mm-hmm. women, oh, yeah. the way the women transformed, so good. But I don't think there's 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 enough in there for that to happen. I have a odd follow up, but I, I mean, I, I guess I was half joking before, but I'm really not because Priscilla to me seemed like it had all the hairstyles. Oh. Uh, yeah. emphasized there and featured there and you know it is a two-part category and yet we usually see the makeup emphasized a bit more now of course if we're following your work then we're reading all of all of the hairstyling tips of the trade that that that, that they've used over the years last year i remember we had you know some some unique uh unique tidbits uh, on the designs there this year you have killers of the flower moon and and to to show uh lily gladstone's grief her her character's grief i mean they had like I, I forget what they use in the hair. Mike's going to talk about talk to you about it later. But like the, all these little tricks that go into it. But I do wonder when we're going to have like a hair f- forward 
hairstyling forward win in this category because the academy at large just seems to kind of go for more of the makeup side of this category or if maybe they'll mm. split maybe they'll split at some point and make us all happier and, and have a hairstyling I category mean, unto itself i mean that would be really interesting because it's it's like yeah like sometimes the wigs are amazing mm. right mm. and those stories i mean to go back to that like a couple of years ago with house of gucci uh frederick asperas was nominated or his name was on the ballot for the hairstyling he'd done on lady gaga for patricia and it was like because the hair his wigs told this incredible story and kind of aged her through that um so yeah maybe maybe one day there'll be a separation and maybe one day the oscar will go to um a hairstyle you know something that is you know leaning heavily that is heavily anchored by by the the hairstyling um I, but <laughs> i don't think that's going to happen this year um but yeah priscilla i think we all thought priscilla would would hit i wonder if it was because you know i mean it came hot hot on the heels of baz Luhrmann's elvis yeah mm. Mm. And it's like people were still in the that world, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't Definitely. know why Priscilla didn't land. I, I honestly thought it would land for costumes. I thought uh, Stacey Batat did an incredible job with that. I thought Sophia did a beautiful story, but mm-hmm. no, and was, no. Yeah, and it was featured too. I, I mean, you have whole scenes of her right. doing her makeup and yep. doing her hair, and yeah, and it scenes scenes that hinged on it as well. But uh, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep rolling here with a few more questions. Uh, we're kind of bouncing around categories a little bit, but uh, cinematography this year, another great category, and made all the more fascinating because you have started a new video series at Variety called Inside the Frame where you've been interviewing the Oscar-nominated cinematographers and where your team at Variety, that you incorporate a ton of behind-the-scenes footage, you incorporate a lot of clips, and it's kind of a scene analysis. It's like film school scene analysis, which I love to watch. <laughs> I mean, and, and then you hear all of, in their own words, like you get it out of these DPs, you know, Hoyt's using the film speak. I'm center punching. I didn't. I had no idea what that was. I thought it was a UFC term at first. No, he's <laughs> he's got he's got to get the audience uh, fixated on the character in the center of the frame. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, you have Prieto talking about how he has to improvise with Scorsese. And oh, I I think uh, you know <laughs> we should film this in a cellar. Says uh, Molly's character. Says Lily Gladstone. And right. Of course, Scorsese's like, yeah, we got to go down there. And then you talk. I mean, in Maestro, Libatique and, and Cooper, why they decided to stay on the the Snoopy master shot there, and, and how Emma Stone kicked the lens and poor things. Like, there's so many great nuggets here that you interview. Uh, out of these DPs in this cinema uh, inside the frame series about cinematography that I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I, it's on YouTube. People got to watch it. Can, Aww. so can you talk about, uh, you know, what, how this series came to be, how they approached you at variety, like where it's going? I mean, this, this could be a big series. Sure. For you guys. Um, so the idea came, so we've always wanted to do more with artisans and video because mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's such a big thing. Anyway, what we realized, or, you know, what, what you know, the video 
uh, head and I realized was like cinematography. There's got to be some, like, there's such an interest in cinematography just in general. Mm. So I was like, we don't want to do a generic interview. Like that's been done. And there are so many key scenes in films that people talk about. So, you know, um, it's the the house explosion scene in, in Killers of the Flower Moon. It's the, you know, the, the, the argument in Maestro. And so we, we decided to, we actually was like, let's just talk to a couple of cinematographers. Obviously, this started to come together at like just before the holidays. So then it was like, you know what, let's just wait and get all five of the Oscar nominated DPs. Mm-hmm. And it's really just a uniform, you know, we don't change the questions. The questions stay the same. But obviously, they're tailored a little bit to the, you know, to their film um, and the scene that they pick. Um, but it's really, it's, it's like, I, so I stood up, I'm not on camera at all. That's the whole thing. And the funny thing is every single cinematographer came in dressed in black and our background, just the aesthetic of black on black was just <laughs> perfect. And, and it's like, tell us the lens. You, it's like, let's go into, cause we could put this as, as, you know, as an article, but it's like, it's not as much fun as is to hear these masters of their craft being like, here's the camera I used, here's the lens I used, here's the challenge just on this scene. And it's like, what did the script look like? And then you hear like Matthew Lebatique be like, you know, Bradley was going to shoot this as, you know, he's moving around the room and, or he enters and, uh, and whatever. And then it just wasn't working. And then all of a sudden Kerry gets up and the scene works and we decided it was good. and then it becomes this one this one shot and you're like that's amazing or like in mm-hmm. the, as you said because of the flower moon scorsese's like they were going to sit around the table waiting to find out that i'm sorry if you haven't seen because of the flower moon it's not my problem but like <laughs> you know where 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 leonardo uh, where ernest goes out and discovers that like the house that's been that's just blown up is like her sister's yeah. house and he comes back and they're all going to be waiting around. And Mar- and Lily Gladstone's like, no, 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 we wouldn't be doing that. We'd be hiding. And you hear Rodrigo explain how he has to suddenly find, A, if the house has a cellar. <laughs> and Jack Fisk did actually, well, they built the house with a cellar. And he relights it with an oil lamp. And it works. <laughs> and it, that scene becomes more powerful because we know, you know, Ernest is behind this plotting. And... It's just, and she also improvised that scream. So that mm. whole scene becomes more powerful. And yeah, it was it was so fascinating. And props to our editors, because we actually sit down with them for 45 minutes and you get, what, 10 minutes of, yeah, of yeah. a clip? Uh, 15 minutes, maybe, um, of that conversation with the clip in the background. So, well, I mean, yes, truly- there will be more. Good, good. That's great. I was just going to give you your flowers for it. Because, I mean, that the the behind the scenes thinking of why things are the way they are. I don't think there's nearly enough of that, and I don't think those questions are asked nearly enough of the artisans who do the and make those decisions. So, I, I just wanted to give you your flowers and just echo Mike there. I mean, it's it's Aww. it's great stuff. Thank you. It's the whole team. It's the whole team that takes it. You know, it takes a village. 
it's been addictive because I, you know, last I, I honestly discovered it a little late this time uh, that you had that video series out, and then I'm watching it last night, and I'm watching all five videos. I'm like, I hope they got another video for the next nominated movie, and then um, then my night is gone, uh, Jazz, and that's <laughs> your fault, but also I thank you for it. But yeah, it's I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was fun, and and. And look, I, I feel like you guys can expand that and maybe to another category like VFX. We're always wondering how the hell they do stuff uh, in that one. And like this is such a fascinating VFX year, in my opinion, because we have Poor Things and Oppenheimer taking awards that they're not nominated for at the Oscars, but they're taking awards at the precursors. And we have otherwise some, I would say, I mean, they're mainstream movies like The Creator, but I wonder if maybe as a pre-question here to the overall, do you think the Academy's aware of how much the creator has been innovative and, and and how it's literally created things out of thin air, like that giant tank story that you chronicled in your article there, um, <laughs> but the creator had no green screen? No, and I think, so if we look at last, uh, if we look at the visual effects hmm. awards where the creator took home five wins, you know, those are VFX experts that understood that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, people, uh, people do understand, I think people genuinely do understand that. And then they'll be like, you know, I've had so many people be like, yeah, no, I read, I read your story. I didn't realize that was shot on like a $70 million budget with no green screen. Um, and or then you do another story of like well actually this one cost you know x many million but like it took you know so many days to you know so many like a whole year to put the sequence together and then you have at the other end of the scale something like godzilla which is which was shot on what a 15 million dollar budget with 610 vfx shots and you're like ah okay so it's really i mean it's a rich it's it's a a showcase of the craft, I should say. Well, I love the category for how you you discuss, and you've chronicled it in a bunch of articles, but how all these departments are working together. I mean, you have the director of Godzilla Minus One. He's essentially doing VFX work as one of the 35 guys on that team. You have Mission Impossible. Obviously, they're coordinating everything with all these incredible stunts, and they're on top of the train in Norway, and they're on a on a tilt and, and Haley Atwell, I won't give away the whole story, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a <laughs> great literal cliffhanger that you end your mission impossible article on, but you have guardians of the galaxy where, the, I mean, the stats of, of that one were eye popping. I mean, how many effects in one shot, you know, 3000 different, I mean, 3000 different shots, excuse me, uh, of the effects. And then the, the number of workers, the, the, how many houses you have working on it. It's, it's staggering how, this has become such a larger part of the industry. And yet we, we probably should have more categories for it on the Oscar stage, but mm-hmm. like you could basically it's, it's, it's dealer's choice this year, I would say in, in VFX. I, I really, I'm curious how it's going to go. I, I don't know. This is one of the categories, like I, I'm probably going to change 15 times. I, I'm guessing you're the same. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I change every day. I, I, I think, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because that's all that's all we do. Um I don't know. I mean right now I'm gonna go back to the creator because I was like, well, if mm-hmm. B, if BS gave it five, then that's where I'm gonna be. But don't underestimate Godzilla. Mm. I mean it's it's been 
a hell of a year for artisans in general. And, and we'll get you out of here. And we can't thank you enough for giving us your time. But this is kind of a, an unfair question to, to leave you with. But it's one I feel like I have to ask you because you are the expert. And I'm kind of ashamed at myself for not having asked you it every year because I really am curious. You're in the weeds daily with these masters and with these craftsmen and you know i don't want to ask you what your favorite artisan achievement was this year but we were you know we had a plethora of what you can pick from we had barbie (laughs) songs and production design and costumes and maestro's makeup and godzilla and mission impossible's vfx oppenheimer's pretty much everything and you know you you look you bring out these stories of accomplishment and inspiration you have greta gerwig talking about a hamburger wrapper floating out in space as inspiration for weird barbie or (laughs) kay giorgio talking about how grease was added to Lily Gladstone's hair to make her look sicker in Flower Moon. I'm just curious, after all the conversations, is there one that sticks out to you that was like, you had to take a second and you were like, wait, you did like what to accomplish that feat? What were you most (laughs) surprised by or what was like your favorite anecdote about an artisan achievement this year? Oh my God, there was so (laughs) many. There was so many. Like that's so, that's just not like, that's like being like, wait, what is your favorite? Child. It's unfair. I <laughs> like, know. I know. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think. I mean, there was so many. It's like there was so many amazing stories this year. Like, and as you said, like the anecdotes of like, like you said, like the burger for weird bar. You know, the burger wrapper, um, <laughs> or like you know the production designer Barbie Sarah Greenwood being like, yeah. So behind her house, she's got a pool with a shark at the bottom of it, and you're like, oh, okay, we never saw that, but it's cool. I really. <laughs> I really, really cannot choose. I mean, I've written so many amazing stories. I, I will tell you my favorite, my favorite story though. My favorite story was actually the Killers of the Flower Moon, mm. of like using grease mm. to like. Because yes. I was like, how do you, how do, it like? It's not a makeup makeup thing, mm-hmm. you know. In terms of like compared to like Maestro, it's the subtlety of that of like putting that into the hair to be like, oh, that's how you showed her getting sick and then you watch the film again mm-hmm. and you're like oh i see the deterioration of right. that now through the makeup story of like to- you know thomas being like you know we made the the sh- eyes darker and, and it's a subtle thing and you're like oh okay or like even for barbie's makeup you know they made her look plastic and it's like oh okay cool and she wore wigs and it's like of course that's not margot's hair like it's little things like that so Maybe I should ask you, what are your, <laughs> your favorite anecdotes? I'm going to turn the tables on you. What are your ones? I like the little figurine that the Godzilla guys brought with them. No, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, my gosh. That I he's been everywhere. He's he's the hot like he and Messi, the dog from Anatomy. That's of what Girl. I was going to cite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've said that yeah, many times. That's our two. that's our favorite performance on the year. Yep. Was, the, what that dog yep. in, the, in Anatomy of a Fall, but I mean, no, you. I mean, reading what you, what your your take on Flower Moon and and that part about how Lily Gladstone like separated herself from the production for three weeks to get herself looking naturally more like disheveled and more sickly, and st- like the commitment to the craft in that way, and then on top of it, having the ingenuity of you know, let's go off base, let's do something that you know that people wouldn't think of and lay people aren't going to think of, like adding grease to her hair. And st- it, I mean, just to have a visual. Like, it's not even commented on other than, you know, it's just the progression of this character looking more and more sickly. And the the commitment to the craft is just blows my mind, the ingenuity that these people come up with. So that would probably be mine off of what I read from you this year, certainly. 
Rodrigo Prieto deciding how to light the cellar on a moment's notice was pretty wild. But also, Gareth Edwards, and in how you wrote it made me laugh quite a bit. Gareth Edwards just deciding that the tank should be bigger than the trees and whatnot and the, and the creator, like how big the freaking tank needed to be. <laughs> Let's just make it huge. And, uh, you know, like uh, like in anime movies, that, that was that was another fun thing. So, no, you, yeah, you got to... I, I was going to say, that was... That was a funny one. And also like the sound. I was like, so how did you get the sound of, of the tank? Like, you know, they were like, we were trying for so long right. to get it. And all of a sudden, like I was driving back from a ski trip, not me, but like. Um, got the accident. Yes. I'm blanking. Yeah. And he was like, he, he drove at this, he drove over a serrated edge and he was like, oh, this is the sound. And he literally like stopped. <laughs> and I guess he did it again to record, to record it. And I was like, that's that's just like that stuff is just bonkers and it's like and then you and then what i do afterwards is i'll go back and watch a scene and be like oh okay right and suddenly you have it with a you you watch it with a whole different perspective yeah i couldn't agree more and i mean that in 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 encapsulates why you are one of the most valuable people out there because you get these stories out for us to read and, and to digest and it really does add a whole new perspective i mean you are one of the most valuable mouthpieces of artisans out there and i mean you do great work and that's why we we are very blessed and honored that uh you share some time with us every year and we, we can't thank you enough Aww. for Absolutely. this year well thank thank you so much for having me back again i can't believe we have to wait a whole year before we get to discuss this again. <laughs> hopefully we'll, we'll try to have you on in the off season maybe a half year check-in type thing and we could uh we could touch base but we, we could, will we could have a whole conversation about doing too oh yeah that's certainly something we're going to be talking about no doubt and we're i'm going to be texting you tonight to uh about the uh the steampunk thing no doubt so yes. uh, look forward to that i will you <laughs> know you. i'm gonna ask that <laughs> i hope so i i genuinely cannot wait to see to hear the answer so yeah i'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> be right. texting you all right <laughs> jazz can't I'll thank you then. enough for joining us thank you so much for having me one of our favorites, someone we, we love dearly and, and truly we cannot thank enough for joining us every year like she does, Jazz Tank. Hey, Michael, a variety. Yeah, make sure you guys follow Jazz on Twitter or X at Jazz T. She's also at Jazz T21, the number's 21, on Instagram. Uh, we mentioned up top she's the senior artisan's editor at Variety, and you guys can get to all her work in the artisan's tab in uh, Clayton Davis's awards circuit uh, profile there so you just a couple clicks you can find all her stuff and uh, it makes it, it just makes the year so much better michael uh when you're you're plugging in and you're yeah. getting all the nuggets and it makes us sound a lot smarter it makes us appreciate things all the more but uh you know jazz really outdid herself this year in particular and like we said it, it, you know last year and, and in previous episodes make sure you guys listen to the uh or, or watch the artisans awards there on youtube i did both i kind of listened to them too it works as a podcast if you're unable to kind of if you have to work during the during mm. the, the day and then you can listen to the you know the artisans awards as a podcast because she's such a interesting interview there and you know and she nine, just marathons through that thing i mean it's like back to back to back to back to back interviews and they she's were just tight there. this year they were tight yeah. they really did i mean you have to watch the the billy eilish uh, actual interview on youtube and you have to watch the holly waddington one and so yeah. you're gonna you're gonna put that up on the screen at some point but 
you know, I was able to listen to some of it as a podcast too. So it was, it was really cool, but yeah, guys, make sure, make sure you follow jazz. That's, that's the words of wisdom for today. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. Smart, smart words as well. And I mean, like, it goes back to what you've always said, Mike, we're not necessarily an interview pod. So we're just, you know, lucky enough to have the people that we rely on even before we were doing MMO, <laughs> you know, to, <laughs> to be friends with us now and agree to come on and keep coming back and filling us in. But these are the resources. I mean, jazz and, and the Clayton's and Scott Feinberg's, these are the resources that we turn to often and more than often throughout the year and, and throughout our, you know, Oscar loving lives here, even outside and, and preempting MMO. So, uh, cannot thank jazz enough, more guests in the pipeline for you coming down the, uh, the pipeline, dear listener. I don't know how she does eight interviews in a row. I, I do one and I'm shot and I do half of one cause I have to rely on you for the other half, thankfully. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, over our careers, we've developed a certain set of skills, and we've honed these ser- <laughs> skills, but they're making bacon, egg, and cheeses, yeah. and they're you I, know. I watching. will find you, and I will stutter to you. Yeah, they're not. Uh... It, they're not doing interviews of uh, great interviewers. But no, we right. appreciate everybody listening. And no, jazz is we'll leave just that. the pros, bro. Leave that to the professional like Jazz is. Uh, but uh, yeah, as, as Mike already told you, those words of wisdom do follow Jazz everywhere that you can on her social medias. Uh, as always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns about anything we talked about in this episode, anything Jazz had to say, or anything we touch on in the MMO empire in general. You can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter or X, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, dot com, and on Reddit. We're available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast, or Spotify app. If you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out Please. immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Uh, yeah, Michael, you gave the... We're close the, to what? a couple of mile. We're close to a couple yeah, we of milestones yeah. there. So please, we just need like a, a, a half, maybe a dozen more uh, to get where Create we want to be. Create fake accounts and give us more five-star yeah, reviews. Else, I don't know what's difficult to follow here. Everybody else has <laughs> bots, right? Can't we get bots in our favorite? No, we, we have so many listeners. To our credit, to our credit, we haven't bought any any followers on any platform ever. So we that's, have not. We should pat ourselves on the back for that. And our numbers reflect that. <laughs> We're very poor. As No, no, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think, yeah, a couple more people leave us some reviews or just hit that five-star button. That would help out a lot. Yeah. Thank you for that. They absolutely would. Uh, words of wisdom have been said. Michael, what's on the horizon for MMO here? Well, we're covering the SAG Awards and, and the PGAs next. Uh, you know, we think we hope with a special guest for a mania type mm-hmm. episode. Uh, and that that's something I've been looking forward to for a long while. And yeah, I mean, SAG is going to decide a lot of this race for certain. So that's next up. But yeah. Uh, we got the MMOs. They're they're locked and loaded, man. I mean, we've we've had that doc yeah. together for a while. I think uh, a bunch of our friends have have written categories. And if you guys still, if you want to get a category yeah. in to the MMOs or just make a declaration, please do so. We can accept uh, those and maybe till the end of next week when we put that episode out. The Mike Mike and Oscars, the sixth annual Mike Mike and Oscars, uh, will not sh- change the awards sh- season industry at all. But we will have fun. Huh. We will have fun Speak with them once yourself. again. <laughs> well, you know how we criticize all these award shows all the time and how they should do things? You know, one might think we should, you know, put out the template for how we would change. No, no, we didn't do that. We just, we had fun. We have asinine categories and you're going to listen to them. <laughs> when reality sucks, uh, you can come learn more about the Oscars with us and our 
friends who are so qualified and we are so blessed and thankful <laughs> and we don't know why they talk to us but we appreciate that they do in the we first place uh, with us uh thanks to jazz tank once again uh yeah we're mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see ya